Welcome to California Groundbreakers, a place that sets trends, starts movements, and shakes up how things are done around the world. We're inviting interesting people doing innovative things to sit down and talk with us about how they're asking and answering the big questions facing all Californians. Our goal is to inspire change across the state, one conversation at a time. Tonight, we're holding a pop-up panel discussion about the future of transportation in Sacramento. California's capital city is getting national attention for being a laboratory for trying out new and different methods of transportation. From scooters to electric shuttle buses, Sacramento is putting a focus on smarter, safer, and more efficient ways of getting people from A to B, while reducing carbon emissions and traffic congestion in a big way. But it's not always a smooth ride. There are lots of complaints about how the red jump bikes and scooters seen around town are blocking people's paths and not being driven properly. That's led the city to impose new fees and rules on the way that they're used. The Riverfront Streetcar Project, set to start construction this year with bids for building it coming in way higher than expected and far beyond the project budget. And even though Sacramento Regional Transit has lowered ticket prices, will anyone ever ride the light rail? While the future of transportation in Sacramento is off to a good start, how will these bumps in the road affect it? And how will we Sacramentans affect and be affected by these new options for getting around town? Join us for another cocktail conversation with some California groundbreakers who are in charge of changing the way we get to where we want to go. So hi everyone, welcome to California Groundbreakers. We're a civic engagement organization here in Sacramento focused on innovators doing groundbreaking things around the state of California. My name is Vanessa Richardson and I'm the director of California Groundbreakers. And tonight we're holding what we call a pop-up panel and it's a discussion about the future of transportation in Sacramento. And this was sparked uh, uh, for me, at least, by a couple of things, just seeing some articles in the national press about Sacramento being a lab and a testing ground for uh, various alt transportation methods. And then also, of course, seeing uh, all the red jump bikes and, and now scooters just all over uh, the place and seeing how they get more usage, I believe, than uh, car shares do in Sacramento. Or there's something along there than Uber. So they are obviously a, a big deal. And uh, it seems like we're leading the way in a lot of innovation on all transit methods. So besides the ride sharing, there's the red jump bikes, followed by the jump scooters. Uh, coming up uh, already on the streets are electric cars, the gig shares. Uh, followed closely behind by electric shuttle buses. Uh, Sacramento Regional Transit, um, which also which operates the buses and the light rail, they're announcing, or they have in, in the works, a major revamp of the routes that's coming up this summer. There's also the Riverfront Streetcar Project with plans for construction to start this year on an over-the-river crossing connection between Sacramento and West Sacramento. So we're doing a lot of things. We're rolling them out, it seems, quickly. And it seems that we're getting a big reception for uh, a few of them. Uh, some are gaining ground. Some are having bumps in the road. Um, but obviously, there's a lot going on in terms of uh, getting us out of the traditional cars that we drive around. So tonight we're talking with a few people who are in charge of these efforts, uh, how they envision uh, these all transit methods changing the way we get to where we want to go in Sacramento. So for podcast listeners, this is an hour or so uh, conversation, and I'll be asking questions first, and then we're going to have uh, audience questions at the mic. Uh, quickly, before I want to get started introducing the panelists, I want to give special thanks to a few people who helped to make this event 
possible. We're holding this tonight at uh, Roostaller's Basement Tap Room in downtown Sacramento. So special thanks to the owner, J.E. Pano, and his right-hand person, Zoe Panetta, for helping me put this together. Also to Caleb Clark of Kickstart Audio, who is recording uh, the audio for this and uh, producing the podcast and putting it up online. Uh, obviously to the panelists, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. And last but not least to you, the audience, for taking time out of your busy schedule to come. So I, I don't introduce the panelists. I let them introduce themselves since they know themselves so well. But I always like to ask, besides your name and your current role and organization that you work for, a personal note about you. And since this is a transportation-themed topic, I wanted to ask what has been your most memorable ride, quote unquote, on a bike, a bus, a car, a skateboard, scooter, streetcar, what was like the most memorable ride you've had in your life? So I'm going to start with, uh, and all the panelists are, are women. So I'm going to ask the first woman on my left uh, to start and tell us about you and your memorable ride. Wonderful. Thank you, Vanessa. So my name is Jennifer Donlin-Wyant. I am the Transportation Planning Manager for the City of Sacramento. We manage things like our Vision Zero program, our Active Transportation program, and then long-range transportation planning for the city. Um, my most memorable ride is a bicycle ride when I was about eight or nine years old. Uh, I grew up in a working class family with not a lot of transportation options. And so when our car had to go in the shop, my dad finally allowed me to ride our bicycle, my bicycle with him to, to the car place to, to get fixed. And it was a six mile round trip effort. But to me, that was the biggest ride ever to ride with my dad to go get our car um, and, and bring it back. So it was a moment of becoming an adult riding with my dad um, and seeing bicycling as a form of transportation. Hello, everyone. My name is Jennifer Venema. I'm the Sustainability Program Manager at the City of Sacramento for the Department of Public Works. And at the city, I'm working on a range of projects. We deal with different community programs, and I've been working a lot lately on our vehicle electrification efforts. So that's what I'll be talking about tonight, our car share, our regulatory systems, et cetera. One of my most memorable rides, the one that most immediately comes to my mind, um, one of the funnest rides was <clears throat> on-demand mobility, if you will, in Kenya. And so there, it's a bunch of crazy vans zooming all over the place, matatus, and this is before they were regulated. And so this involved, you know, waving your hand as the man's hanging out the side of a van. There's chickens on the top, and you <laughs> hurry in, and you're counting out change. It was just this very chaotic experience. Everyone's crammed in, everyone's in everyone's personal space, kind of smelly inside, but it was just this really joyful experience as well. Hello everyone, my name is Jessica Gonzalez and I am the Director of Marketing, Communications and Public Information for the Sacramento Regional Transit District. Um, so obviously people know us for the light rail and buses, but tonight I'll be expanding on some of that and talking about some of the new projects we have that some of them are underway and some of them are coming up very soon. Um, my most memorable ride has to be the Polar Express from here in Old Sacramento. And for a number of reasons, um, my husband and I have taken our son on the Polar Express every year for five years. 
And his first year, we happened to find out he's allergic to nuts because he ate a macadamia nut cookie on the train. So if you can imagine what our life has been like since then, that ride was definitely very memorable, but we still come back every year. He just doesn't eat the cookie. All right, thank you. And, and just to mention for podcast listeners, we have two Jennifers on the panel. So we've already decided uh, we're going to uh, uh, break it down to JDW for Jennifer Donlan Wyatt and JV for Jennifer Venema. And then, of course, Jessica. You're just, you're just Jessica. So, uh, so that's how we're going to identify each of you. So JDW, I have a question for each of you one at a time. So I'm going to start with JDW. And this is basically just a kind of a broad overview of, uh, of the efforts that each of you are responsible for or, or are rolling out. So Jennifer, um, I guess your title, Active Transportation Program Specialist. I liked how uh, there was a profile of you in Sacktown Magazine. They just listed you as the bike czar, which sounds so grand. And uh, so obviously you've had a big hand in bringing jump, the jump bikes and scooters to town, but you're obviously working on a whole bunch of initiatives uh, with those and other things. So just give us a broad overview of, of what, you're, what you've rolled out and are, are working on right now. Thanks, Vanessa. Um, well, I'm working on, but I think the team of Sacramento and transportation is working on, we actually have a really fabulous team of people moving things forward. But the things that my program and we're leading in our, our group are uh, our Vision Zero program. So this is incredibly important. We have more people dying on our streets from traffic fatalities than we have homicides in the city of Sacramento. So the importance of this and moving forward and improving traffic safety is paramount for the city. Um, so we are uh, moving forward with that and through an, a lens of equity to make sure that we're investing in our communities that maybe haven't always been as invested in. Um, and then we're also working on our active transportation program, working with many folks throughout the Department of Public Works on improving uh, mobility for those who walk, bike, and are accessing transit. As we continue to grow as a city, we can't continue to allow for travel only by single occupancy vehicle. We really need to increase people walking, biking, and using shared mobility, such as transit, such as jump bikes, those sort of things. So our team is working on that, as well as a lot of corridor studies to improve traffic safety. It's pretty exciting stuff. I'm really happy to be working at the city. Great. And Jennifer, so I, I don't know if you have a nickname like Bikes Are. Electric Lady came to mind, but I don't know if you have that. But obviously the electric car and bus initiatives are rolling out, which are, sounds really exciting. So uh, I was wondering, you know, the city's making such an effort with e-transportation, this Electric America, uh, a lot of funding. Um, so just give us an overview of, of what, uh, what, what we're going to be seeing in terms of e-transportation. All right, you can hear me now. Well, we do have a lot of exciting things happening right now in Sacramento. The important thing to note is we've been working on vehicle electrification for a long time, over 25 years now since we created our first incentive for EV drivers providing free parking in city parking garages. So we've been going about this. What's changed recently is that our efforts have been extremely accelerated by private investment and by the huge amount of very strong and capable partnerships that's delivering change quickly. And the reason we've succeeded is because of the strong partnerships we've had in place for a long time with our other key partners at other agencies like SMUD, SACOG, and the Air District to other community-based organizations like the SAC EV Association. So if you haven't seen already, there are new vehicles on city streets. There are 
black Chevy Bolts with blue bike racks. There are also white e-golfs with dots in conspicuous places. And those are just two examples of the new car share programs that are coming. A lot of this, what you're seeing now, is a result of much of Electrify America's investment here within our city as part of their Green City initiatives. That's an initiative we're now calling SAC to Zero, which consists of infrastructure, it consists of car share, and it also includes investment in our transit with SACRT and others to electrify buses and shuttles. So what's really exciting is with that work, we're able to really work and deliver on city goals and objectives. It's improving access in our underserved communities. And when we at the city talk about vehicle electrification, it's really with mobility in mind. And it's mindful of that framework that JDW laid out, the goal isn't just new technology because it's a shiny thing. The goal is moving people more efficiently. And here in Sacramento, where we are a non-attainment air basin, air quality is a serious concern. So vehicle electrification is part of that, but it's happening within the system of supporting transit, supporting shared trips, and we believe within the next couple of years here in Sacramento, we really will become a proving ground. We will likely have one of the highest densities of fast charging infrastructure in the nation here within city limits. And with the launch of our electric car share programs, specifically with GIGS car share program, we're going to have, it's the largest electric car share program in the nation at this time. So some very exciting initiatives. Great. And then Jessica, with Sacramento Regional Transit, we mentioned, you know, there's a lot of uh, things happening there. So give us, a, give us an idea of what to expect. Sure. We have a number of initiatives that are launching this summer. Um, one that was mentioned earlier on is a complete redesign of our bus network. Um, we took a look starting from scratch. We haven't looked at this in 30 years. So if you can imagine the transportation patterns have completely changed um, from 30 years ago. And so we'll be rolling that out September 8th. Um, this was after nearly two years of public outreach, working with advocates, working with travel experts, um, and really getting a great plan in place. So that will be launching. It will be a more frequent service. We'll have more weekend service. Um, we'll have later, nights, later night hours. Um, so we're really excited about that initiative. And we're hoping that's really just the base of the bus network, and it can grow from there. Um, one of the other really big initiatives we're doing is, has anyone heard of our Smart, smart Ride Microtransit service? It's an on-demand, yeah, it's an on-demand service. We already have it in two service areas, and we're actually going to be expanding to downtown, midtown, and east SAC in June. Um, and so we're really excited about that, and we're actually going to be adding electric shuttles to that. I don't know if we'll be ready for June, but that's the future for the downtown, midtown area. And then also we're looking at a shuttle to the airport, um, which we're really excited about. We know Sacramento really needs that. Um, and one project that we're working on with Electrify America, which is um, electric buses from um, UC Davis campus to UC Davis Medical Center. So we're really excited about that program as well. And I wanted to ask quickly about the, the Riverfront Streetcar Project, because I, I heard about that a little, I guess, a year ago. And then is SAC RT involved in that? And okay, okay, good. So obviously, obviously a lot going on. Um, th no, no, that I'll, I'll ask about that a little later. No worries. Um, but I guess for 
again, I guess going down the line, I was wondering in terms of what has really been embraced, you know, as we're a testing ground for a lot of these efforts. Uh, some some things work, some need tweaking. So what is what has really been fully embraced so far in each of the areas that you work at? What needs work or more education, I guess, with the public about the uh, incentives? Um, so I was wondering, uh, JDW, for you, what is, what's been gangbusters and what needs a little tweaking? Well, I think we've had a couple of things that have happened simultaneously that have worked really well that also need tweaking. So we launched our bike share program practically at the same time we rolled out our first parking protected bikeways. And so they work together. So our, our bike share program is the first only all electric assist bike share program. Um, and so we, we started with approximately 500 bikes. Um, and so now we have this program where folks who maybe didn't bike before or were uncomfortable biking before are now biking, while at the same time we rolled out 25 blocks of parking protected bikeways very efficiently um, uh, with a short turnaround from idea to concept to design and implementation. Um, and so both of these came at the same time. So while we have a lot of use of both, we also have a lot of learning that we're going through. So for example, with the new bike share bikes, where is it appropriate to park them? We want to ensure that we can maintain a culture of parking devices and parking spaces so that we have accessible paths of travel. This is really important for the city of Sacramento. Um, and so creating those parking spaces, particularly with scooters as well. So we have scooters here in the city of Sacramento. We passed our legislation last week. They'll be moving forward in the next month um, that will bring more scooter businesses uh, to the city of Sacramento. So that's worked out really well. And then with our parking protected bikeways, we're learning on the design. So we did 25 blocks this year. We have 45 more blocks that are in design right now that'll be rolling out very, very soon. Um, and I'm really proud that we actually have very strong women engineers who are working on them and moving them forward. And I think that's important because as we change who are designing our streets, our perspective changes. And we design our streets for the comfort of all users rather than just as a zooming place from point A to point B. And we think about the comfort level, we're going to broaden who is using our streets and in what different ways. And are those bike lanes uh, in any specific area of the city, or are you are they all around uh, the, the the city? Sorry, the um, the twenty five blocks of parking protected bikeways that we rolled out this last summer were all on the grid, and we have forty five more blocks coming. Um, that are also on the grid, but we're not only focusing on the grid. Um, Franklin Avenue, which is in the southern part of the city, we have two related efforts that are moving forward for parking protect oh, for separated bikeways, same term, but just not parking protected, um, that are rolling out. One is through a grant so that we're able to move forward. And the second one is how we are trying to be more innovative in public works. It's actually a street maintenance program. So we are going to be resurfacing or slurring the street and we're just putting the stripes back differently and putting in the protection with that. So we're trying to be more cost effective, quick, more quickly complete to the network for an all ages and all abilities type of network. JV, how about you? Uh, what's worked so far and what is being tweaked right now? Well, I think what's interesting, and this is an, a big learning for us, and here this is a statewide learning, not just in Sacramento, is EV adoption historically the biggest indicator of whether or not a person would own an electric vehicle is their personal income. And so you can look at different regions across the state 
It's the most affluent counties or zip codes where there's a lot of EVs. What we're really trying to do in Sacramento is distribute the benefits of electric vehicles to all of our communities. And so there's a lot of learning that happens with that. We have had much early investment from SMUD and from other partners in terms of trying to shift drivers to these types of cars. But what's interesting is that despite that investment, we haven't seen the same level as uptick as maybe one would expect. But part of that reflects the fact that we don't purchase as many cars in Sacramento. On average, our median household incomes are generally a bit lower than those other counties we're benchmarking ourselves to. So the learning is really, how do we get these benefits distributed more broadly? And I don't think we have the answers. The California Air Resources Board has done a tremendous job investing in programs like the state's first low-income car share pilot, which the Air District led, the city's a partner on, our community car share. They're also investing in new vehicle scrap and replace incentives, which will be rolling out later this year, which are specifically targeting these disadvantaged communities. So I think there's a lot to be learned in the coming year. Another learning I will flag is that we're also understanding the role of different business models and service provision arrangements. As I mentioned already, the Air District launched our first low-income EV car share pilot, and it's, it's tremendous. It provides up to nine hours of free service for residents of the communities that those cars are based in. Now, with Electrify America's programs, we have two new private startups that are coming with a new model of car share, also targeting similar communities. And it's now it's a paid service model, so those users will have to pay for the service. So the flip side is, you know, we can't always sustain publicly funded car share. Perhaps there's a model there. We're still figuring out what works, what we can support from the public side. And when I say we, I mean the agencies collectively. So that's a program everyone's committed to versus on the private side where a user may have to pay. However, if there's a business with, with this, a model and revenue and an ability to continue operating this as a way to reduce single vehicle trips, do it in a way that's in cleaner vehicles, that's a huge win for our community as well. Great. And then Jessica with SACRT. Ups and downs. <laughs> Well, I think, as many people know, the downs across transit agencies across the country has been low ridership. That's definitely been um, a problem that's plagued us now for the last few years. Um, but where SACRT is really trying to turn things around is a number of rider initiatives. So back in October, we lowered the fares for the first time in 47 years. Um, also, this January, we increased our light rail service to every 15 minutes on weekends, which is a huge benefit for riders. Um, we also have a number of programs for kids, so for um, student passes for K through 12, um, we lowered it to $20 a month. Um, we're looking for another really great summer pass this summer for kids, um, and just looking for a number of different ways to get riders excited. We just um, removed all the uh, fees at park and ride lots, so now it's free to park there, which hopefully more people will be interested in using public transportation. And as I mentioned, we just have so many new initiatives that we're going to be launching in the next year or two. We're really excited. Um, one of the big ones is double tracking to Folsom, and so that will offer Folsom residents 15-minute light rail service, which is huge for commuters. Um, and also just these initiatives with the airport. I know 
extending light rail to the airport is the dream. Um, but for now, we'll probably have to um, supplement that with a shuttle to the airport. But I think that's going to be really great, not only for people who live here in Sacramento to get to the airport, because I know paying to park even in the cheap lot isn't so cheap anymore. And then um, also for for tourism. Um, most major cities do have public transportation coming from the airport. So we're really excited about all those initiatives. So I think our, our biggest challenge obviously is ridership, but we're seeing an increase. We're definitely seeing an increase um, over the last few months on light rail. Okay, so then I guess the, uh the, the, the challenges you're facing, you're, you're touching on these, and so I'm, I'm just, uh, the challenges that I, I read about in uh, newspapers like the Sacramento Bee about transportation here, I wanted to ask you about, uh, I think earlier this year there was an article I read, Tony Bizjack, the transportation writer for the Bee, had written about that riverfront streetcar project from West Sac to Sac, back and forth, and uh, construction you know is expected to happen this year, but then there were the bids that uh, were presented to uh, the the organizations in charge of the project, and they were pretty high. And so that was, I don't know if that was a super shock or a surprise, but it seems like that is a big factor. That it's, it's, it may cost more money than expected, and that may push back construction or, or change how it's going. So Jessica, I was wondering, uh, what is going on? What's the current status of the, the, the streetcar project, and uh, what can be done, if anything, in terms of bids or getting construction moving? So one of the big things we're doing right now is we're taking a look at the scope of the project. We're trying to see, can we make some adjustments to that to bring that budget lower um, and help keep that keep that project going. We're definitely looking at, you know, what what other things can we do? We're looking at different modes of transportation. So could it be a trackless um, train? Could it be some kind of autonomous shuttle? Um, can we also maybe just extend light rail into West Sacramento? So we're looking at a number of different options to see what we can do um, to have the streetcar. It just could be in a different way. Okay, and then I have I have another question, but uh, I, I figured it'd be a good time to start people uh, going to the mic and asking questions. I hope you have a batch of questions. As an incentive, uh, Jessica brought some free uh, SACRT passes. So whoever uh, goes to the mic and asks questions, I, there's so many, I'm gonna give two, if that's okay, to each person with questions. So while we get people at the mic, I have a question actually for uh, JDW about, uh, you had mentioned the, the uh, new uh, things that the city council had approved the fees regulations on the jump uh, scooters and bikes. So I think it's fairly new because it just got it just got approved, right? But if but if you can talk about it, because I also read in the in not the B, but maybe somewhere else, the rideshare um, companies wrote a letter saying we don't really agree with these many of these changes because there might be a possibility that these might be passed on to the customer. So if you can explain what's going on with the new fees, new rules, new regulations that you're gonna have with uh, specifically the scooters and the bikes. Great, Great. I am more than happy to cover that. Um, so uh, on Tuesday of last week, City Council adopted the new regulations around what we're calling shared rideables. That's shared bikes, scooters, hoverboards, anything that doesn't require like a motorcycle license or a special license from the DMV. Um, 
It was a long and thorough process where we did a lot of outreach. We did outreach to our Active Transportation Commission twice, to our Law and Legislation Committee twice. We went to our Disabilities Advisory Commission. We worked with our uh, business districts. We worked with our neighborhood associations to really hear what, what do our communities want with this and how do we regulate them? all with the realization that transportation funding is not coming out of the city's general fund. So we need to be cost neutral in how we do these sort of things. We want to support innovation, but we don't have the funding to support innovation and, and to, to help um, make those things happen. So it was a balancing act and compromise moving forward. So how do we allow for these new devices to come into the city um, while maintaining public health and safety while also not costing the city any dollars? Um, and so when you have private enterprise, so um, uh, whether it's bike share, whether it's scooter share, where it's, whether it's transportation network companies such as Uber or Lyft are using public right of way, that's yours and my property, uh, for making profit from doing business, we need to be cognizant of how are they using our right of way and are they doing so in a way that makes sense for us and makes sense for our city. Um, so we move forward with a staff set of recommendations on full cost recovery. Um, we didn't the city council decided to reduce those fees to incentivize um, the devices going into our lower income areas and our less dense areas. Um, so we're moving forward with that approach. Um, it's a, the, I think it's a compromise to get the businesses to come to the city while providing some funding to provide for parking and oversight. Um, we hope that the outcome of that is that in our other communities, uh, our lower income communities that are less dense, we will see more of these devices because ultimately the goal of what we do is to provide for mobility options, remove barriers to transportation. Transportation can be a huge cost to families and working families, and so we want to make sure that we make it affordable. So we're hoping the outcome is that. I think a few people who, who knew about this event, and maybe they're here, maybe they're not in the audience, were asking, you know, the, uh, I read in the, I read in the uh, news story that, you know, uh, bike racks, I need to park some of these bikes in the bike racks, but I can't find one. You know, it may be, it may be farther down the road, and why can't I just lock it against a, uh, a meter or a stand? You know, it's just very hard. You know, what are you going to do about that city of Sacramento? So, What's your, come on, JDW, tell us what are we going to do? We can't find a bike rack. What's, what's the, uh, are, are you, are they coming along, you know, building more? I think that's a big, that's just a big question I got from many people is like, you know, where can I park it? If there's no bike racks right around where I want to park. Yes, that is a great question. So that is what the, the, the debate and the discussion over the fees were exactly about. Um, do we have enough funding? Are we going to provide that parking? Because we don't have funding within transportation. Yes, you are required to park your shared mobility device at a bike rack. And the reason why um, is first and foremost that every bike rack has been reviewed for ADA accessibility. So we know that when you park your device there, whether it be a scooter or a bike, you're not blocking somebody's path of travel. And ultimately, that's probably the most important thing that we think about when you're parking these dockless devices. Um, so, But you want bike racks, and we don't have them everywhere. You're 100% right. We don't. So we're going to use a data-driven process, um, using the data provided by these companies to know the hot spots of where people are parking so that we can then provide those spaces. And with the rollouts, implementation of this program will happen 
likely in May through June, uh, we will be updating our website. So if you say, hey, JDW, I keep on going to this one location and there are no bike racks and I get what we call nasty grams from the companies when you didn't park them correctly. I've gotten a few of those. Um, let us know so that we can then use the data and your input and we will go out there using the funding we have available to provide the parking. We'll be providing two types of parking, bike racks, scooters and bikes should be at bike racks or we're gonna pilot painted designated areas. Um, so there'll be drop zones where you have paint telling you that it's a good place to park and it's a successful path of travel. What color will that paint be? Do you know yet? We're working through the design right now, but I would assume that it'd be white. White, okay, yes. good to know. All right, how about the first question at the mic? Good evening. Um, are you hearing me? Yes, thank you. My name is Dan Allison. Um, Transportation seems largely on the upswing here in the Sacramento area for all of the reasons that people have said, except walking. Um, I'm really concerned about pedestrian safety. Um, there is aggressive driver behavior, including failure to yield. And there's non-enforcement of failure to yield and of speed limits in the city. And for both of those reasons, I find personally walking is being becoming much less comfortable and much less safe than it was. So it's on a downhill slide rather than the upswing that many other things are seeing. And I'd like a reaction from the panelists on that. Who would like to start with uh, that improving uh, for pedestrians? Is there anything that we can do? J JDW. That would be me. Dan, thank you for that question. Um, we definitely want to put pedestrian safety at the forefront of what we do. I am in the realm of public works, so we manage our infrastructure um, in which we're using our limited funding and going after grants to improve um, pedestrian and, and walkability. Um, uh, I encourage folks to seek for enforcement for, for having drivers yield to pedestrians at crosswalks. Um, we, we update our speed surveys. We follow California law uh, to the T um, as required. It's updating our speed limits. And you and, I, you and I have had many discussions about how we set our speed limits. And I'm sure we will continue to have discussions about how we set our speed limits. Um, but I think we're, we have a program um, to, to address pedestrian infrastructure. We're not in the realm of enforcement. We don't have anybody representing enforcement here right now. Um, but it is a, a great question to ask. All right, next question at the mic. Hi, my name is Jeff and I am a public transportation advocate, but I will also ask the J's, um, should we say is this, please identify for 311 for dealing with bike situation. Please identify the various, when your meetings take place, active transportation, the others through there so we know. I've been looking about that. And I have plenty of pictures of the inappropriateness of when the, you, should we say, little scooter says, do not go on the sidewalk, and they leave them right in the middle of the sidewalk. I know two of your council members have suggested that you put some type of fine fees in there. So wondering about, you know, when you've, I assume you've learned from the J Street experiment with the bicycle path um, that maybe Broadway needs to be really examined much closer. Is that enough? All right, I guess JDW, JDW, how about you answer that one? Because I have a question about that one too. 
I'm more than happy to, Jeff. It's wonderful to see you. Um, yeah, so if you see a scooter or bike or something blocking the sidewalk, please report it to 311. I, again, don't do enforcement, but our 311 uh, folks will address that. And with the new ordinance, this is actually pretty exciting. I think we're one of the first cities in California that I know of to do this. We're we've empowered our parking enforcement officers to cite the company for every device that's blocking a sidewalk or a curb ramp. Um, the fee or the fine will be $15 plus state administrative charge things um, that'll go directly to the company. Whether the company just decides to pass that on to the user who left that, because we don't know who left it there, but the company will. Uh, that is their choice. Um, but we're looking at that as an enforcement tool to get the behavior that we want out of that, coupling with us providing the parking. Um, so we think the two of them working together will get the behavior that we want so that our sidewalks are clear. And the question about Broadway, um, you, we happen to have the project manager for Broadway here in the room. Um, I think she heard you loud and clear. We are working on that and we are providing for um, as comfortable level of biking facility as we can fit within the right of way on Broadway. Thank you. And I, I did have a question about the J Street project. Um, how, well, I don't wanna, I think I know what it looks like, but I want you JDW to explain what the J Street project is, how it's worked so far, you know, if you've seen any noticeable changes or results and where you're planning to roll that out, if you are, that kind of format, uh, street format uh, going forward. So for those of you who don't know, our J Street Safety Project was the conversion of a three-lane, one-way roadway in a neighborhood commercial area that leads to a freeway and a very dense neighborhood in East Sacramento to a two-lane roadway with a parking-protected bikeway. This project, when it rolled out, I did not get much sleep. I was very, very stressed about how it would work and how much congestion and angry emails I would get. Um, it didn't work out so badly. It actually worked out relatively well. Um, yes, there's congestion, but congestion is okay. Uh, congestion means that we're slowing people down and we have a healthy economy. Uh, we, and it wasn't actually a bikeway project. It was a traffic safety project. We, we were trying to, one, slow down drivers. Uh, the business community along the corridor had told us many, many times that they wanted us to slow folks down. We wanted to improve pedestrian crossings so that if we slow folks down, drivers may actually yield to um, pedestrians crossing. So the outcomes are that, these are only anecdotally, we actually don't have any data on this, but from observations of being there, drivers are yielding to pedestrians that cross the roadway, and this is wonderful. So if you have coffee on one side of the street and you wanna go across the other side of the street to go shopping, you can do that more easily now. Uh, and we have bicyclists using it. Beforehand, there were no bike facilities on J Street, and now we do have bike facilities, which is wonderful. And we work closely with the business community on that, and I think that's important that they were incredible champions for this project. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next question. The mic. Oh, okay. Before we start the next question, I think there was a part two about the, when the meetings are. Um, uh, so for everyone to know. So JDW, if you can just uh, add on to that really quickly. So we have the Active Transportation Commission meets every third Thursday in city council chambers. You can either attend in person or watch live on the internet. And it lives forever on the internet as well. What time? On the six, oh, 6 p.m. Okay. on the third Thursday. Okay. Thank if you, you go to sacramentobikes.org, our fancy vanity URL, um, there is the link to the calendar up there. Thank you. All right, next question at the mic. Hi, my name is Matt, and first of all, what a great event. I mean, I love learning, but learning with beer is much better. Um, that is the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good incentive to bring people here. Um, my question is probably answerable by all three of you. Um, 
which is really how has the city and RT worked with with Electrify America to leverage the green city investments and all the other VW investments that are happening in California and in the Sacramento area to ensure that those investments support the city's policies for sustainable development and uh, transportation equity. Yes, and and JV, I'd like for you to start with that because we he had mentioned VW Volkswagen. I think that's a, a big player, and some people may be uh, surprised or not or aware that there is the whole diesel gate thing that happened, and then that for whatever reason um, uh, that has played somewhat of a role in the electric America. So if you can just uh, give us a brief summary of how Volkswagen's involved, and then uh, and then go from there. Thank you. It's a great question. So as a result of the aforementioned uh, diesel gate and some pretty incredible regulators and uh, legal action here in California, there was a lot of negotiation and large settlement agreement was put into place in terms of how Volkswagen would mitigate all the environmental damage that was caused by the default emissions devices. But then also, on top of all the mitigation, they would invest in new types of e-mobility to really demonstrate and bring to scale our vision here in the state and across well, across the nation as well, but what, what an electrified community would look like. So as part of the settlement, Volkswagen was allowed to select up to two quote-unquote green cities for this amplified investment. So the city has been working on this a very long time, both to try and get that designation as one of the cities, and then once the designation was in place, working to support the implementation of that. Once all of this was created, Electrify America was established as a wholly owned subsidiary of Volkswagen, but a separate business entity just to implement these pieces. I've got a couple colleagues in the room. I'll call out Will Barry here in the audience from Electrify America if anyone wants to talk with him afterwards. So the city has been a key partner in rolling out green city programs. Electrify America has been a fantastic partner and collaborator. We've worked really hand in hand to scope out what the best programs would be, the ones that are most feasible, identifying locations for services, and really advocating for the rollout. And in all of this, focusing on low income and disadvantaged areas in terms of service. As part of our engagement with Electrify America, that's how we've got to the electrified shuttle and bus component, which Jessica may want to talk more about, but that's also part of the Green City work. So we've worked very closely, and we continue to. Right, Jessica, how about you? Yeah, I had mentioned before, so one of the projects that we're working on with Electrify America is to um, get 12 electric buses. And so SACRT will have six of those. YOLO will have another six of those. And those will be the service from UC Davis campus in Davis all the way over here in Sacramento to UC Davis Med Center. So we're in the works of that. We're talking about a wrap right now. So we're figuring it all out. So we're really excited to be part of that, um, part of that new service. Jessica, a, a quick follow-up. Those uh, 12 electric buses, are those going to be 40-footers? Or what size of buses? They're, they're going to be full-size. Yeah, full-size bus. That's exciting. Yeah. How, how many will that seat? How many people does that, or more or less... I'm hearing 37 people. 37 people <laughs> sitting. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
And don't forget your passes. And thank you, Jessica, for bringing all the... Okay, there's a lot of swag up here. There's a lot of swag up here that uh, everyone brought. So please uh, uh, take advantage of it uh, sometime during the event. Uh, okay, so next question at the mic, please. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. This is a cool event. It's good to see a lot of people as well. Um, so I'm Imani. I'm here as myself, but I'm also with Extinction Rebellion Sacramento. Um, so my question, I do, I, I just want to acknowledge it's really cool that like the central city is really being addressed, and obviously there's already a lot of infrastructure down here to like keep things going in terms of like that's where a lot of the jump bikes and scooters have been dropped. That's where light rail um, is like you know most accessible. Um, but I'm just curious about. Um, sorry, I feel like. Um, Oh, and also it's cooler that, yeah, like, so you all are working on lower socioeconomic classes and communities being served. Um, but I was just curious, and I'm sorry, I was a little late, so I don't know if you addressed this, but, like, how um, how suburbs are working into this context? Because, I mean, um, especially being with Extinction Rebellion, you know, climate change and getting to, you know, as close to no emissions as possible, which, you know, a lot of us, I'm sure, still know, like, electric, um, vehicles and uh, electric transportation does still have some emissions um, connected to it. I'm just curious, um, how 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 are you including suburbs in this conversation? Because I feel like you know downtown, midtown is already pretty easy to to you know be able to walk has good walkability bikeability already. But I guess I think about like the communities out where you kind of. Are, you really do have to drive to get around, to get to a grocery store, to get to like the simple needs. So yeah, just how suburbs are being worked into this. Jessica, why don't you start? So one of the things that SACRT has been doing, um, we started over a year ago was uh, Smart Ride Microtransit service. And so it's a small shuttle service that within a service boundary area, you can get picked up at your door and get brought to anywhere within the service area. So that could be the grocery store, or it could be a fixed route bus stop, or it could be light rail station, or it could be a hospital or a school. Um, so we already have that in the Citrus Heights Antelope Orangevale area is one of our service areas. And that one started first. And our second service area is along Franklin Boulevard in South Sacramento. Um, and so we're going to actually be expanding to nine more service areas over the next year and a half or so. Um, one that I mentioned that's coming in June is the Midtown Downtown East Sac area. Um, but also in August, we'll be doing the Gerber area in South Sacramento. And so we're really focusing on a lot of areas that maybe the fixed route went away because of our bus redesign that's going to be happening, um, or it changed in some way, or an area that maybe never had fixed route, but we see that there's a need there, but not quite for fixed route yet. And so this is really a great way to supplement the suburbs and help people either get to light rail so they can get downtown or just get across town to, to get somewhere where they need to go. And so far it's been really successful um, getting people around that service area. Um, we've seen, especially with seniors in the in the Orangevale, um, Citrus Heights area, we're really seeing them use it. Um, you can use an app, but you can also just call on the phone. So for some people who are nervous about technology, um, and in the South Sac area, we're really seeing people use it to get to light rail. 
Okay, thank you. And can I just ask, is that a bus shuttle? It, oh, okay. It's a, it's a smaller size shuttle. Mm -hmm. um, so depending on how it's outfitted, because some have more room for wheelchairs, um, but you usually can fit between 8 and 15 people in there. And if you have five or more people, it's free. Wow. Okay. Thank you. All right. JV, how about you? Great. I'll add to that, and I, I think it's great we're all up here together because these are all ways we get at that challenge. There's no really one solution. So um, I think transit's a huge, it's the backbone to the, the answer. We are also working on the programmatic side to help close gaps through the car share programs. Gig car share, we've got Sloan Morgan here from Gig over here. They've got a 13 square mile service area, so it does include downtown and midtown, but it goes all the way out to Sac State, 65th Street, grabs a lot of Tahoe Park, goes all the way down Southland Park as well. So it's a pretty large service area. And then with Electrify America's work, there is also another car share company that's being operated by Envoy. They're going in at 71 multifamily properties across the city. Right now they're operational in about 20, and that's apartment complexes in place like, places like Meadowview, Whispering Pines was where our launch event happened back in November. So those efforts are happening. And on the city side, we're also doing more planning and analysis to identify other ways to fill those gaps. I should also note the Air District is expanding their car share program also to areas off the grid. So looking to help support. And JDW. So I'd like to challenge the assumption that the suburbs can't be a walking and biking mecca. So we are working through three major trail projects right now. Uh, we are working on the Sacramento River Parkway, which will connect the pocket up to downtown. We're working on the Del Rio Trail, which will connect South Sacramento to downtown. And so when we think about that, and then the Two Rivers Trail, which connect East Sacramento to downtown. So all south of the river, um, but important connections to employment centers and working on ways to connect folks to those trails so that if you're riding an ESS bike, for example, a jump bike, you'll be able to have a sweat-free ride from your suburban area in the pocket to your employment center. Uh, we also have our trails up in north part of Sacramento, Sacramento Northern and the Ueda Parkway, which we're working on making some gap closures and, and, and issues on there that we need to address. But I think that with investment and connecting walking and biking to transit, and then from the city's perspective and our transportation planning, supporting efforts with RT to have things like, why couldn't we have bus rapid transit? And why couldn't we create a dedicated bus line so that we can get folks on a, um, a high frequency, um, uh, fast way to shopping, to employment? You know, I, I have a question about that, that you brought that up. Um, I guess the the private sector and its involvement, if there is one, in terms of getting these efforts rolled out, because you mentioned employment center, and you hear about in the Bay Area, you know, there's the Google shuttle bus and the Facebook shuttle bus. Obviously, they see a concern about getting their riders, uh, uh, their, their people to where they need to go to work. The, obviously, the traffic there is, it's not like that here. But where is the private sector's involvement in all of your efforts? Um, is Are you working with them? Are they involved in any way? Should they be involved? Uh, why don't we start with you, JDW, since you're laughing a little bit. So um, we are working with the private sector. So our shared mobility providers are the private sector who are providing transportation options in the city of Sacramento, whether it be jump, 
Lime, Bird, Skip, Scoot, or its gig. These are private sector um, businesses who are coming in providing mobility options. Um, and while we don't have the, the Googles and the Apples and all of those other big mega corporations here, maybe we'll uh, work with this, the, the city manager's office to help recruit those businesses here. But in the meantime, uh, we're working with our local partners. We have some great transportation management associations who are doing some fabulous work, such as Jibe up in North Otomas, to, who are private sector, who are nonprofits that are really helping change folks in how we move. JV. That's a great summary. I'll add in terms of the electric vehicle charging space. This is where we've been providing charging for a long time in city garages. SMUD's been trying to provide charging. It's really expensive to provide a lot of public fast charging. And we've had our first partnership was with EVgo to get fast chargers in the right of way um, because we recognize the city can't we don't have the money, number one, but we also don't have the staff or the expertise to maintain this stuff in a way that addresses range anxiety. Um, lastly, I'll just add uh, to JDW's great summary, we've got all the private sector folks here that are key in delivering on mobility options, but from the public side, this is where at the city we understand how key RT really is, because that's a public agency with public interest they're beholden to those goals on our board. So it's a big ecosystem, and we all have a part to play. All right, and Jessica added way in on this too. Yeah, I think that's all well said. I mean, partnerships is a huge part of what we do, not only with the city, um, but Electrify America has been a great partner, and we're really excited about that. We recently just launched a pilot with the Miles app, and so that's been really great and that's also with the city and with Sac State and it's a way that riders or really anyone in Sacramento can get incentives um, for the least carbon footprint they're using so if you're riding light rail if you're walking you're biking you can get points which then you can get free things so who doesn't like free stuff so we're really excited about that pilot um, we're also going to be working with a ride share um, I can't announce who yet I don't think um, for our last, first last mile solution, so having parking at a light rail station to then be able to get to your job. Um, so if you want to take light rail, so that's a really great incentive there. And we have worked with um, jump bikes where we have charging stations right at some of our light rail stations. So we're always looking for partners and partnerships and ways to make um, public transit easier for everyone. When is that announcement going to be in terms of the, the last mile? Do you have an idea? I don't know yet, uh, okay. but hopefully very soon. Very soon, okay. Yes. Okay, thank you. All right, next question at the mic, please. Hi, my name's Robin. Um, for context, I bike to and from work. Um, I bike in the street. I like the bike lanes, but I don't need them. Um, the jump. I like the jump bikes because more and more people are biking. It makes me happy, but I've noticed that a lot of people don't know who are adults, how to actually ride a bicycle like an adult. Um, is there any effort to actually educate people on, oh yeah, skipping from the street to the sidewalk to the street to the sidewalk is more dangerous than just picking one um, and just things like that. Yeah. Yes, JDW, how do you educate people? How do you get the word out about how to properly ride one of these? 
Well, we actually have a free class at the city that we offer every month that's urban biking, and we've actually renamed it, and we've redeveloped the curriculum. So it's Urban Biking and Scooting 101 um, to teach folks about their rights and responsibilities, about how to be an adult and, and use your, these new transportation options that might be new to you. Um, and so I... Well, we are such like the social folks here at the city, like everyone follows us on social media. Totally not. I know we're not influencers. Um, so we actually ask that if there are any influencers to share that we have this free class out there. Um, Jump will be making an announcement in the next week or so to incentivize their members to take our class so that then the Jump users um, know about um, how, how to be a good adult. Sorry, I got distracted. When is the class? The class is um, on the second Tuesday of the month, um, uh, 6 p.m. You get to find out where the class is once you sign up. Um, it's, a, it's all a big secret. And we've actually taken the class on the road. So if there is an organization that's very interested in learning about it, we have gone to, um, so we work with like mutual housing, uh, SHRA, we, uh, Sacramento Redevelopment Housing Association uh, and a couple other neighborhood associations we've even gone to to teach this class so that folks know about how to bike and scoot in an urban environment. Thank you. You're welcome. I guess for, uh, for the two other, uh, uh, JB, uh, JB and, and Jessica, I guess education in terms of getting the word out, um, are there any efforts, you know, that you haven't already mentioned in terms of getting, you know, people to use the shuttle buses, getting people to use the light rail uh, or, um, you know, that's already established and then the new efforts. What are the ways that you're trying to get the word out that maybe people don't know? Would you like to start, Jessica? Well, right here, I have this handy brochure, a guide how to ride. And inside we have four easy steps on how to ride light rail and how to ride, how to ride a bus. Um, but I've also been starting to produce some social media videos and just kind of giving people some of that information in just snackable format so you can kind of see how to do it. Because I think for some people, can I see a show of hands? How many people have ridden either light rail or the bus? Oh my god! Half for the podcast. More We've had a lot of people, um, so that makes me really happy. Um, but for a lot of people, if it's new to you, it is a little overwhelming and a little bit scary. So we're trying to take those barriers down and, and try to make signage easier um, and ways to find information on how to how to ride and you know use the app, the Zip Pass, um, so you don't have to worry about fare and just trying to find those solutions to make it easier for. For people to try public transportation, also, you know, free passes, offering free passes for different events around Sacramento has been really helpful as well. And I have been kind of lax at handing out the uh, free passes for anyone who's asked a question. So if you have asked a question to the mic, please come to the table. Here are your passes. JV. Just add quickly, uh, there is a lot of outreach happening right now through SAC to Zero. They're showing up at community events from SAC Republic Games to others to talk about how to enroll in some of the new services. From the city side, we're trying to get out there and do more outreach. We do have a consultant contract working on that, but you'll see a lot more advertising from folks like SMUD. There's also a lot of outreach happening through Breathe California, and this is really getting at how do we do the grassroots outreach for these new users. So it's showing up at events within the community. So maybe not on your social media feed, but trying to get to some of those communities where we're really hoping to work with and support. Right. All right, next question at the mic. And how many, raise your hands if you're at the mic for a question. Okay, so it's gonna be these four and then we'll have to wrap it up. So next question at the mic. 
Uh, yeah, once again, this event has been really awesome. Uh, my name is Vincent. Um, I happen to work in Elk Grove, and so it's actually been nice to hear uh, originally as a Midtown resident and shortly moved out, things like Franklin Boulevard or some of the, the kind of the spokes of the hub being supported, whether it's the nine communities or like uh, Amani had said, it's really nice. And I grew up in a lot of Sacramento lower income communities. Um, so it's been nice for that support and hearing Folsom um, being included with kind of a partnership in YOLO. But um, I'm curious to hear more of those partnerships, whether it be Roseville or someone who has works in Elk Grove uh, with E-Trans. I always found it uh, amazing that for me to get from Midtown or downtown into Elk Grove and Laguna Bar Boulevard, where there's a rideshare parking lot, literally, um, I would have to take two buses to get to Consumus to get to another bus, or there was no actual bike lane to even get there. Um, so I'm kind of here from the panel, you know, what, what options, you know, maybe are in the future for us. Jessica, why don't you start? Yeah, well, I have some good news for you. Um, SACRT is actually taking over E-Tram bus service starting July 1st. Thank God. And so we're going to be, you know, looking at ways to improve that service. We In the contract, we have to maintain their routes and everything that they have. But we do want to make it more connectable and make it much easier for people using E-Tram to be able to get to light rail, to be able to get to downtown, to be able to get to more places. So we're really excited about that. And we're hoping at some point that leads to annexation and it just becomes part of our bigger network. That's awesome to hear. JDW. I think I would add to that. So Public Works, we actually don't go out work outside of the city of Sacramento. However, with our Franklin project, we have partnered with the city of Elk Grove to have a cohesive project that will continue from Elk Grove into the city of Sacramento. It's one of the times that we actually get to partner with outside agencies and how we do things. However, we do fully recognize, we had a meeting earlier this week, but if we're really thinking about changing how people move, we can't only focus on the city of Sacramento, particularly if we want to reduce our vehicle miles traveled and change the way people um, change the way people travel. We need to think about particularly our, our suburban communities that are outside of the city and how, how we have that, how travel happens. So working with Folsom, with Elk Grove, uh, with communities like that so that we can have that behavior change and get provide options for folks other than traveling in their car. Well, and you mentioned um, the the trail, the, the po connecting Pocket to downtown. Um, is there any plans to connect Pocket even further south? Because it's not that far from Elk Grove, and even as someone who has kind of pieced together the trail to get just past Consumness and right there to, to Laguna, um, you know, it's it really seems like it's not that far. And, and, and curious about any other partnerships that you may be able to speak on. So we in the bike plan, we actually do have a path to that will connect the Franklin Boulevard uh, separated bikeway that'll connect over and across to the pocket, um, the to the pocket and the Sacramento River Parkway, or even probably more closely the Del Rio Trail. Um, it's just finding funding to do that and where our priorities and how how do we fund those moving forward? There are three big trail efforts right now, which is the Two Rivers Trail, Del Rio Trail, and Sacramento River Parkway. Those are very large, very time consuming, and very expensive projects. So once we complete those maybe we will be able to look on to the other ones in the city i'll mention that apple is on laguna boulevard so they have big pockets <laughs> all right well yes look into that 
Thank you. Great question. All right. Next question at the mic, please. Uh, my name is Isabel, and thank you very much for being here. This has been really fascinating. So thank you. And I'm really excited about this bus change in, the, in September. Um, I just had a question. Um, thank you for the Miles app. I've downloaded that. I walk to work every day. So that's been really fun for me to share that with my friends. And so thank you very much for doing that. I had a question about crossover, about for the shuttles and for buses and light rail is what is, or is there going to be any crossover about um, like a pass? Or what is that going to look like going forward? Um, to incentivize some people to take more and to try different things? Is there going to be a crossover or um, something I can tell my friends about to say, hey, try this, or you can have this, and you can also have this? Um, so can you speak about that um, to any of you? But I, I believe ma mainly Jessica and JV, but uh, yes. I also a multi-use pass. Where does that stand? Who would like to? All right, how about JDW? We'll go down the line. Well, we have our Connect card, uh, which is a way to easily use transit. But I was actually reading an article the other day, and I'm not a tech person, so I'm probably not going to um, describe this correctly. But how we set up our fare structure and the technology behind it, the city of Portland has tried an open source program so that other folks or other folks can create a third-party app, and there's an easier way to pay. So you can pay with Apple Pay or Google Pay um, when you're getting on transit. I think that's a great way uh, for us to think forward and be more innovative about how we can embrace and make things easier for folks. Um, I know that uh, Uber slash Dump is working with the city of Denver on a single pay app for the the Denver Transit District, I'm not sure what that's called, um, but to make it easier, removing those barriers so that it is easy for folks to get on, get on the bus. Yeah, and I agree. Um, I've been talking with Uber. We've talked about their Denver pilot, so it's something we're definitely looking at. Um, one of the other things is we are buying new light rail vehicles. And so once we get those in, we're hoping um, we can make the technology easier there so that people don't necessarily have to use their connect card outside, but maybe right on the train once you're already boarded. Um, so we're definitely looking at new technologies, making it easier. I talk to IT all the time and I say, it's very confusing to have three apps, I need one app. Um, so so I trust me, it's, I'm, I'm pushing it, um, but I don't quite have it ready yet. <laughs> Thank you, I understand. <laughs> JV. Just a quick note to add, doesn't directly answer your question, but it's kind of building on this discussion here, the unbanked population and people who are mo more cash-based is an issue we're trying to grapple with as we expand access. And so how that's played out in the our community car share pilot is there's been more flexibility there with Zipcar. And again, those people had an incentive. They had free ridership. But it's because it was one private vendor operating a closed system. So there's more layers of complexity. I think that's what we need to work towards. And I guess I should uh, ask about the the miles the the miles app that frequent walker frequent biker app. Where can one access that online? Because I I got it in my email, which I thought was great, but I forgot to ask uh, for the rest of us. How do you access that app, Jessica? It is available for Android or iPhone users, so you can go to Google Play or the App Store, um, and you can download the Miles app. And it's called Miles app. It's called Miles. It does look, it's green and kind of has a white squiggly on it, because I guess some people asked me today, because they said there's multiple things that say Miles on them. Um, but you can look on their website. It's kind of easier if you just go to the Miles website, or on SACRT's website, we do have a link for it. If you just scroll down, um, you can get more information about it, and it links directly there. Okay, and it just kind of targets where you are location-wise. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right, next question on the mic, please. 
Hi, my question is, how do these P3 work, um, these public-private partnerships? Um, how are the, like, Uber, Jump, Bikes, all those active transportation mechanisms, how are those contracts awarded? How are they renewed? And then do those companies have someone on staff that um, ensures compliance with state and federal accessibility, or is that something that's left to the city to regulate? JDW. Um, well, our program, our bike share program, is actually not a, a private partnership with Jump or Uber. Um, that program began a couple of years ago through an RFP process, request for proposals. Uh, Jump was selected as the winner, um, so they launched first. Um, however, it's through our regional uh, SACOG uh, program, it's a regional bike share program. There is a contract in the, they have a, they have a permit in the city to operate, and should Bird, Lime, Skip Scooter, whoever wants to come, again, it is a permit to operate, it's a business permit to operate in the city. Um, we just ask that they follow the rules, they have a local point of contact, and if there are issues, that they be reported to 311 so that we're aware of them. JV. It's a great question. So for car share, the city gets involved when they're looking for special access to the right of way. So similar to bike share, they come to the city seeking parking permits. So both gig car share and zip car have been permitted through the car share program. There's obligations that they submit quarterly reports. There's annual resubmittal to renew their permits, et cetera. They have to pay a P to a fee, excuse me, to offset their parking costs. So that's that's how we're running the car share piece. What I'll say though is that our city council and our mayor have shown a tremendous desire and willingness to try creative partnerships. And in 2017, we created a demonstration partnership policy, which provided guidance to staff and support some parameters under which scenarios would it be appropriate to try a a partnership without a competitive procurement. So we did use that policy to enter into a partnership with EVgo. They were offering a unique service, fast charging in the right of way at no cost to the city in a way that would allow us to test how it benefited multifamily residents. So it met criteria of our policy and we moved forward with that agreement. Now the whole approach there is you don't enter into a long contract, it's a short pilot, you learn and you move forward. And so that's a program that now I believe my colleague Ash is still here, is working on kind of rolling up and amplifying in terms of other ways the city does business. Jessica? Well, RT is definitely different than how the city operates. Um, really, we're open to partner with anyone um, that wants to partner, and it can be done in a number of different ways. Um, for Jump Bike, it was a great first last mile solution that we were able to put those in our light rail stations. Um, we've also had some conversations with Bird. Um, they know they could be interested in coming to Sacramento. So we definitely get calls and interest um, in ways that we can um, use some of our facilities, our light rail or um, different options for other people that we know our riders are going to use. Um, our partnership we have with Electrify America, you know, they're providing us with six buses. You can't say no to that. Um, it's, a, it's a great partnership that we have, and it's going to be a great benefit to Sacramento. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And then we have one last question at the mic, and then one last question from the, at the mic, and one last question from me. Great. Thank you for the opportunity to, to be here. This has really been a super interesting event. Um, one of the things that is amazing to me in transportation right now is there's so many different emergent technologies. 
And it's fascinating to see how much is hitting Sacramento so quickly. Um, the concern I have is that, um, well, I live in Tahoe Park. And in the last month, I've had options to do jump bikes. I've taken light rail. I've used a gig car for the first time. I use Zipcar all the time to commute to work functions in Stockton and Modesto. And um, when I look at the zones where these things are active, I see them mainly in the older suburbs on the grid. I don't see them in South Sacramento. And I'm concerned that the communities of color are not able to access these, not only because they're not physically there, but also because there's a digital divide. I mean, we've seen since 2016, there is a plateau in cell phone adoption, smartphone adoption rather. And I'm curious what your agencies are doing to address that. All right, so we'll go down the line starting with JDW. This is a fabulous question and something that is very dear and near to me to make sure that we do what we can as a government entity to ensure that Efforts that we roll out are equitable um, and what we can do. So again, these are private businesses operating in the city. And so as we move forward, how can we to push for an equitable outcome. There are a couple of things that we do. Um, one is that um, we know that for their profitability, they want to be in the urban core because that's where they're going to make their money. So we can't require that they not be in the urban core and be somewhere else because we don't we can't, we can't make, they wouldn't be profitable and they wouldn't come to our city. So we still want them to come. Through our shared rideables ordinance, we have a couple of things that are gonna be required. 20% of their devices must be outside of the city core and be in what we call our, our low-income high minority areas in the city. And so 20% every morning must be deployed to them and they'll be with the new regulations that are moving forward. We're also gonna be requiring that they do specific outreach to our low-income communities to teach them about how this, this, this program benefits them, how they can sign up and have a, ca a cash-based option so that if you are unbanked, you can still have options to it. Jump's been a great partner in doing that. They're already doing that even though it's not required by the city right now. And even so much that they're helping people set up their email addresses, people who don't have email, um, that you need need an email address to set up for the program. So it's to helping them establish email programs, helping them sign up with their low costs. Uh, we also require that they have a, um, a, a low income uh, membership fee. So for example, right now for Jump, it's $30 a year, as opposed to $30 a month for a regular program. So we're setting up what we can through uh, the regulatory framework, which we have, to incentivize uh, investing in our lower income communities. JV. Similarly, on the car share side, for any car share company seeking permits, we require at least 20% investment in low income and disadvantaged areas. So we're trying to go about it from that way. But what we've also learned from working with the Air District is that outreach is really key to get at some of these issues, such as you know, access to, to digital currency, et cetera. So I think we don't. We don't have an answer at this time, but we know it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of partners, and um, a lot of effort. So I think that's where we're just trying to learn by doing and working with everyone we can. And Jessica? Well, the, um, the Smart Ride microtransit service that we have, we really make sure that we're going to um, disadvantage and low-income communities to make sure that they um, have that opportunity, and you can do cash or connect card or zip pass. Um, and we definitely take part in tons of outreach events. Just last year, we took part in uh, over 140 outreach events across the area. Um, one of the other projects that I didn't get to mention was bus um, BRT, bus rapid transit. And we're looking at that on Stockton Boulevard and a number of other areas that are more low income and disadvantaged to be able to provide better service. 
That's really great to hear. I actually was debating whether to ask that question or to ask about whether there's any plans for BRT in Sacramento. I know Stockton's rolling it out, and I'd love to see it here, too. Thank you very much. Thank you for all the great questions. For those who uh, asked questions of the mic and I didn't give uh, SACRT passes, there are SACRT passes. Please come get them. Uh, and I'll, I'll take the last question. It's kind of like the, uh, uh, the, the, the future vision of Sacramento in terms of urban planning. Um, I think there was an article I, I read I can't remember where, but it was it was kind of focused on the whole how ride sharing is changing urban planning. Jennifer's, <laughs> Jennifer's making a face. JDW's making a face. But I was thinking in terms of all these efforts that we're doing, um, how you're seeing the city of Sacramento, especially with when it comes to rollout of you know um, of urban planning efforts uh, in on the grid or outward, how you how these efforts are already shaping their mindset about uh, the the future of urban planning in Sacramento, or how do you think it should be? So I kind of like that visionary idea, but because all these efforts that are rolling out and coming forward, obviously it's going to have an impact. So in terms of urban planning, what is the impact right now in terms of how the city's thinking about how these all go together? Um, and then what, I, I guess ideally, what do you think it should be? Does that make sense? The future of urban planning in Sacramento based on how we're rolling out alternative transportation. I know it's a heavy duty one, but uh, maybe maybe a little a little bite-sized chunk from each of you. Who would like to start? JDW. I'll start just because we're going in this order uh, all evening. So uh, the future mobility in Sacramento, I think, has to, it's absolutely necessary to stop or reduce the number of single occupancy trips. We have to do that. Uh, not only for our environment, but for the public health and safety of how we move about the city. So trying out new modes, I think it's going to include um, bike share. I think it's going to include scooter share. Um, we, we know that TNCs, which are transportation network companies, Companies like Uber and Lyft, where we see increase in car travel, which we're going to have to figure out how to address um, as that becomes more common in Sacramento. Uh, and then we even even talked about autonomous vehicles because they're coming, and how do how do we manage that? that is, there will be a part two of oh, the future right. transportation event. I'm talking with Ash about this later. And, but I think the other big thing is that thinking about the original share mobility, which is here for us as regional transit, and how can we get more people on regional transit? And how can we re remove barriers to getting to it? And then how can we remove barriers for regional transit. I'm going to just leave it at that. And I guess I should, uh, maybe, I guess for JB and Jessica, I, you know, I'm talking about city of Sacramento, but obviously there's the county of Sacramento too, uh, getting them involved or the, the role they play. So I know JDW didn't mention that, but for the other two, J, JB, the future of urban planning and the future of mobility, how do they coalesce? Oh boy, great questions. I think it just, I think it means, you know, we know... <sighs> on certain levels, what good planning is. We've known a long time, you know, land use and transportation are interconnected. It's about getting people closer to where they need to be, and it's getting them around affordably to all of the various services and job opportunities and other recreational amenities they need, you know, as cleanly and as efficiently as possible. And it's using all the tools we have in our toolbox to do that. And I for the future, the vision, I mean, I'll be honest, it's it's a lot of work and it's really messy to, I think, work through all the issues that need to be addressed. So there's 
there's a lot that has to happen in partnership and capacity building and a lot in terms of resources. I think we know a lot of the things that can be done. There's not always the funding there to support it. So, you know, the next measure B is coming and that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll ask this of, of the, the first two of you that spoke and also Jessica, you know, there's so many players involved. Uh, is everyone on board? Is everyone willing? Are you, are you finding a lot of, uh, yeah, well, let's work together on this. Or is it education needed still? Um, why don't we, yeah, well, and let's have Jessica start with that. And then if, if you two Jennifers want to add in on that as well as an addendum. So Jessica, you're. Well, a little education piece. Um, SACRT actually receives six times less than our transit peers. Um, so that gives you an idea on if we had more money, what we could possibly do, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have. Um, we need to be more places. We need to be them, be there more often, and we need to be more reliable um, and just easier. Like we shouldn't have pocket timetables where you have to figure out what time I have to catch the bus or light rail. You should be able to walk up and within 15 minutes some mode of transportation is coming to bring you to where you want to go. And that's the future of SACRT we want to see, but we need people to get on board and be excited about that. Um, one of the projects that I didn't get to mention was transit-oriented developments, and that's something we're really looking at right now because we have a lot of extra space in our light rail stations. And so taking away some of that parking, but able to build places where people can shop and live and work right there at light rail stations, um, I think is a really important part of the future of Sacramento. Great. All right. Uh, there's so much to cover. We always only just scratch the surface of a topic, but I think we did 90 minutes worth. Uh, great questions, great answers from the panelists. Thank you so much for being here. And again, we're going to do part two. We're, we're really interested in autonomous cars, so we'll be working on that. But for tonight, thank you again, uh, JDW, JV, Jessica, and to the audience for coming out. Great discussion. And we'll wrap it up and say good night. Thank you. You've been listening to California Groundbreakers. Tonight's Groundbreakers Q&A conversation was held on April 8, 2019 in the basement of Roostaller Beer in downtown Sacramento. A special thanks to Roostaller owner J.E. Pano and manager Zoe Pineda for hosting this event. And to Caleb Clark at Kickstart Audio for producing the podcast. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Find out what our next event is by going to our website, californiagroundbreakers.org.